This podcast is the property of the Half-Blood Princesses. I'm Demi. I'm Jess. The story will begin in a flourish. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Half-Blood Princesses. I feel like 11 should have a magic number of its own because it's like 1-1. When you think about it, they start at Hogwarts when they're 11, so it kind of is magical. Alright friends, so if you haven't followed us already, what are you doing? We have social media. Facebook and YouTube is the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast, and Twitter and Instagram is at HBPrincessesPod. We also have a voicemail line, so leave us a message and we'll feature it in a future episode. Our number is 412-228-5435. So to me, what is the topic of our magical episode number 11? Our topic is Bogarts! Get ready to talk about lots of fears today, but before we dive into the characters, let's head over to our quote. It's time for Quick Quotes Corner. Speaking of magical numbers, today's quote comes from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in Magical Chapter Number 7, The Bogart in the Wardrobe. This quote is spoken by Lupin while he's telling his third years about Bogarts in defense against the dark arts. So the Bogart sitting in the darkness within has not yet assumed a form. He does not yet know what will frighten the person on the other side of the door. Nobody knows what a Bogart looks like when he is alone, but when I let him out, he will immediately become whatever each of us most fears. The Bogart is one of the most fascinating creatures in the wizarding world. It's interesting for the obvious reasons. The fact that nobody knows what it looks like in its natural form, and how it's a magical creature that is basically a manifestation of fear. Something that Lupin said that I find extremely enchanting is the fact that a Bogart takes the form of one's fear, to use Lupin's word, immediately. A Bogart manifests fear instantaneously, and we see this for ourselves when we watch his rapid-fire transformations during the lesson. This suggests that a Bogart knows one's fear as soon as it and the wizard come face to face, so quickly that the wizard doesn't even have a chance to see its natural form. Fears are such a deep part of the human experience that they're often kept secret. With all of this in mind, I'd say that Bogarts have the powerful skill of legitimacy. Not only this alone, but that they're so skilled at it, it's in their nature to navigate one's mind so quickly and sufficiently to accurately assume the form of their fear. I completely agree with everything that you said, but also it's kind of freaky in a sense that this creature can literally look at you and know what you fear. Like, what if you didn't know what you feared, and then all of a sudden, this thing pops out of a wardrobe or wherever it's kept, and then it just transforms? Like, you're immediately taken off guard. Yes, you can know the incantation, but as soon as you see it, that's the power of the Bogart, because it renders you speechless, almost. Yeah, exactly, and I'm thinking about, like, how you know when it's a Bogart and when it's real. Like, if you're afraid of spiders and a big spider appears out of nowhere... My first thought is going to be to run away and kill it, not, oh, that might be a Bogart, let me try Ridiculous. Exactly, which is why I'm surprised that Voldemort never used these in battle, because they'd actually be a powerful nemesis. Exactly, but, like, think about it this way, how do you get a Bogart? You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know they're hiding somewhere, when they transform into your fear and you say Ridiculous and laugh, it can go away. So how do you actually capture it? 
and use it as like a a battle weapon. Well, think about it this way. Voldemort has Death Eaters who will do his bidding, so honestly, they should just find them and put them in the Vanishing Cabinet and have them appear in Hogwarts during the battle. That'd be a good, like, element of surprise. Like, all of a sudden, all these Bogards are, like, everywhere and scaring the crap out of everybody. Good thing none of us are afraid of owls, because here comes Polly. She would make a really bad Bogart. Hey, it's Polly, our owl. She's flying in with the fun facts. Let's get into these awesome Bogart fun facts. I love discovering the meaning of words, so let's pick apart Bogart. Bog, spelled B-O-G, has various meanings. The most common of these is a wetland that accumulates peat, a deposit of dead plant material. Unpleasant, right? Bog also refers to a place or thing that prevents or slows progress or improvement. Think of the phrase, getting bogged down. The other half of bog art, art, is pretty clear. Art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination that can hold emotional power. So now, let's put bog and art together. This combination is quite clever because a bog art takes the form of someone's fear, much like how a work of art can induce fear if that's its intended purpose. And in the process, the person who comes face to face with the bog art can be said to get bogged down in their fear. Now that I've shared my interpretation of the word bog art, let's get into the magical creature. The bog art is a shape-shifting creature that assumes the form of whatever most frightens the person who encounters it. No one knows what a bog art looks like if no one's there to see it, but it continues to exist and reveals its presence by rattling, shaking, or scratching the object in which it's hiding. Bogarts like confined spaces, but they may also be found lurking in woods or around shadowy corners. The more generally fearful someone is, the more susceptible they are to bogarts. Muggles sense their presence and may even glimpse them, but they seem less capable of seeing bogarts plainly and are usually easily convinced that the bogart was just their imagination. Like a poltergeist, a bogart is not and has never been truly alive. It is one of the strange non-beings of the wizarding world that has no equivalent in the muggle realm. Bogarts can be made to disappear, but more will arrive to take their place. They seem to be generated and sustained by human emotion, much like Dementors. The spell to defeat a bogart is tricky because it involves turning the creature into something amusing. If the caster is able to laugh out loud at the bogart, it will disappear at once. The incantation is ridiculous, and it's a misspelling of the Latin word ridiculous spelled R-I-D-I-C-U-L-U-S, which means the same thing as the English ridiculous. Ultimately, it comes from the Latin word rideo, which means I laugh, I smile, and I laugh at. There are some famous bogarts. The old boggle of Canterbury was believed by local muggles to be a mad, cannibalistic hermit that lived in a cave. This was a particularly small bogart that had learned how to make the most of echoes. The bludgeoning bogart of old London town was a bogart that had taken the form of a murderous thug that prowled the back streets of 19th century London, but it could be reduced to a hamster with one simple incantation. 
Finally, the screaming bogey of Strath Chelly was a Scottish boggart that had fed on the fears of local muggles to the point it had become an elephantine black shadow with glowing white eyes, but which Lyle Lupin of the Ministry of Magic eventually trapped in a matchbox. Extra fun fact, Lyle was Remus Lupin's father. Speaking of Professor Lupin, he's the one who introduced Harry and his classmates to Bogarts. And now let's creepy crawl into our discussion about many characters and their fears. Now, it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for tales of magic and mischief. It is time to talk about fears. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, at least the uh, Headwoods theme is in a minor key that totally fits this whole theme here. First, we are going to start off with Harry, of course, and his Bogart is a Dementor. Let's go all the way back to when Harry first learned what a Bogart is in Lupin's Defense Against the Dark Arts class. After the practical class, Harry doesn't get to face the Bogart. Lupin intentionally stops him from facing it. After the class, Harry's obviously wondering why, and he remembers the situation back on the train. Harry wonders if Lupin thought that he'd pass out again. So if you were in Harry's position, how would you feel if a teacher intentionally stopped you from participating? I'd feel singled out and honestly a little bit disappointed. Like, I thought I was a good student. I'm sad that I missed out on something that would have been really, really cool, especially since Harry is really good at defensive magic. Exactly. And personally for me, I try to do my best in class and I want my professors to see that I'm talented. And in Harry's situation, he's always in the spotlight. And here he's in the spotlight for a not so great reason because it hurts his confidence. So I would feel like total crap if I was Harry. Me too. I'd feel like the teacher didn't like me or want me to participate or even want me in his class. Exactly, and this is on Harry's mind a long, long time. When Halloween rolls around, Ron and Hermione go off to Hogsmeade, but of course Harry can't go. He finds himself in Lupin's office, and there he asks him why he didn't let him face the Bogart. And Lupin says, I would have thought that was obvious, Harry. So Lupin literally just confirmed that he intentionally didn't let Harry face the Bogart. How would you feel now? I'd feel even worse. Like, who is someone to tell me that I can't participate? And I think on a personal level that you and I can both relate to, if you're different in any kind of way, visually impaired in our case, or in Harry's, showing a weakness when seeing the Dementor on the train, people automatically think that you're not as smart or not as strong or capable. And I can totally feel Harry's frustration here because... He didn't even get a chance. Like Lupin didn't even give him a shot at facing the Bogart because Lupin took it upon himself to doubt Harry's abilities or so we think. Exactly, and you should never assume something because you know what they say, assuming makes a ass out of you and me. (laughs) 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 It really does though. It really does. That's how you spell Um, assume, kids. Ass, um. (laughs) Speaking about assumptions, Lupin tells Harry that he assumed the Bogart would take the form of Lord Voldemort. Lupin obviously realizes his assumptions were wrong, but at the same time, he didn't think it would have been a good idea if Voldemort materialized in the staff room. 
in this case, I can't really blame Lupin because obviously Lord Voldemort would be the first thing to pop into his head that Harry would be afraid of. But at the same time, he was wrong. True. And if I were in Lupin's shoes, honestly, I'd probably do the same thing. Because I wouldn't want my class running out screaming. I mean, this is one of his first lessons, and he wanted to make a good impression, especially since we know Lupin is a werewolf, and he gets discriminated against all the time. And so he didn't want to, like, lose his job all of a sudden because Voldemort materializes. But at the same time, you have to realize that maybe he could have pulled Harry aside before asking Harry to cast the spell and asking him what the fear was. Yeah, that's a really good point. That would have been something that a really skilled teacher would have done. But like you said, this is one of his first lessons, and he just wants the class to go well. He was probably nervous, so he probably wasn't thinking to pull Harry aside. But for a teacher, say, like McGonagall, I can totally see her doing something like that. We stand, McGonagall. Queen Victie. Harry tells Lupin that he remembered the Dementor, basically saying that that would be his Bogart. Lupin is impressed. And now here's one of my favorite lines in the entire series that shows us so much about Harry. Lupin says, That suggests that what you fear most of all is fear. Very wise, Harry. That's deep, so let's talk about it. First, what do you think this shows about Harry's character that his Bogart wouldn't be Lord Voldemort, but a Dementor? I think it shows that while Harry may be afraid of the Dark Lord, it's not his primary concern at the moment. The Dementor currently is his primary concern because that's what he first saw in this book. And so sometimes when fears like the Dementor are fresh in your mind, that's what the Bogart would probably turn into. Whereas maybe later, if he's more scared of Voldemort, it might turn into Voldemort. He grew up in the muggle world, not knowing that Voldemort is to be feared. And so I think that has a connection with this too, because we see in the first book when he's saying Voldemort's name, Ron freaks out. Like, just say the name, don't say the name. Um, but Harry didn't know to fear that. So I'm wondering if Harry would have grown up in the wizarding world from a young age, knowing that Voldemort tried to kill him and what that meant if that would have been his primary fear. That's interesting because some fears are bred into you. It's like when you're a kid and they tell you, oh, there's a boogeyman under your bed. It's bred into you for about a month or two that the boogeyman is actually underneath your bed. Also, let's think of Harry's fear being fear in terms of him being a Gryffindor. What do you think this shows about his Gryffindor traits? Well, being a Gryffindor means that you're brave, but being fearful means that you're scared. So, being afraid of fear is actually very Gryffindor, because when you're brave, you try to be fearless. And a storm in my best dress, fearless. <laughs> oh my god, I thought you were going to do that, and I was like waiting for that. <laughs> I also think this is significant too, because if you're courageous... You don't want to face something super terrifying because then that can make you be less courageous. So I feel like for somebody who's brave and bold and of that nature, if something terrifies you, that will make you retreat and you don't want to because that goes against who you are. If you think about it, Harry is the chosen one. He's expected to be courageous and destroy the Dark Lord. 
but when you fear something, that often hinders your ability to act. And so Harry's afraid of being afraid, because if he's afraid, then he can't destroy Voldemort. Exactly, and I also want to point out here, too, that seeing Harry's deep fear of Dementors is a really good thing for his character development, because, like you said, Harry is viewed as this courageous hero, but he has this deep flaw and this fear which humanizes him. Exactly. When you're writing a novel, your characters have to have flaws. That's how it goes. Because otherwise, they seem larger than life. And really, nothing is larger than life. Like, you are alive. That's life. Fears are part of life. And honestly, I don't know, maybe my Bogart would be the Dementors. They scare the crap out of me. Also, they're blind like us! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) oh my god on that note let's turn the gears a bit and get super deep bogarts reflect somebody's fear back at somebody when they take the form of it the mentors induce fear so there's a unique parallel here that i want to talk about but it's very deep so you're going first that's interesting because if you think about it If Bogarts transform into what you fear, and Dementors induce fear, Dementors make you picture your fear, whereas Bogarts, the fear is directly in front of you. So in a sense, the Bogart takes the form of the fear and then induces it, and then the Dementor induces it, and then you see your fear. So they're very similar creatures, however, the Dementor is more dangerous than the Bogart. Because you can run away from the Bogart, it'll just transform back into what it originally was. But Dementors, if you do not produce a Patronus, you could get kissed by them and die. Right, and I also think it's really important to note here too that the severity with the Dementor is all-encompassing, right? Like if a Dementor walks in the room, every single person in that room is going to feel the cold and despair that it induces. Whereas, if your fear is not a Dementor, a Bogart is going to turn into your fear. So I think Harry is very unique in the fact that because he fears fear, having his Bogart turn into a Dementor really reflects that back at him. And I think that, as we're going to talk about in a second, realizing that his fear is fear pushes him to overcome that. Harry really wants to learn how to fight off the Dementor, and Lupin teaches him how in private lessons by using a Bogart. How genius. So in these lessons, we learn a couple interesting things, but let's start off with the experience that Harry has. After running through the Patronus charm with Harry, telling him the incantation is Expecto Patronum, and telling him he has to think of a very happy memory, Lupin lets the Bogart out. Harry experiences what happens when a real Dementor is in his presence. All the lamps in the classroom go out, a piercing cold rushes over him, and in his head, he relives the night his parents died. So here, we see that the Bogart not only takes the form of one sphere, but truly becomes it. It's also interesting to note here that Lupin teaches Harry to use Expecto Patronum rather than Ridiculous, which is the incantation to combat a Bogart. This is super interesting, and 
This also reinforces what I said a second ago of how the Bogar truly becomes the Dementor. That's super interesting because it sounds like the more powerful the fear you have, the harder it is to get away from the Bogart. And so you actually have to treat it like a Dementor because Dementors are super powerful. And no longer is it a Bogart, it really is a Dementor. Yeah, that's a great point. And that also shows that by using Expecto Patronum, that's giving him a real practice for when he actually faces a real one. Because if he's just so ridiculous, that wouldn't be practicing the Patronus charm, which is a very difficult charm to master. And by doing it on a Bogart, Harry's able to gain that ability, which is going to be very, very useful later. What's also interesting is that Bogarts never actually touch the person. So if the Bogart is as powerful as the Dementor because it transforms into one, could it actually come up and touch Harry? so many creepy images in my head right now um if you guys have any thoughts about this please let us know because this is a very interesting thought however we do see a time when harry actually does use ridiculous against the bogart and this is in the maze during the third task of the triwizard tournament when he comes face to face with what he thinks is a dementor he says expecto patronum but the dementor falls back and trips over the hem of its robes then Harry realizes that it is a Bogart, says it ridiculous, and the Bogart disappears in whiffs of smoke. So this is really interesting. First, let's talk about the fact that Harry didn't actually come up with a counterattack to transform the Bogart into something amusing. What do you think Harry could have done if he did this? I think it would be funny if the Dementor's hood fell off and his face was a clown face. Oh, I love that, but what if you're also afraid of clowns? <laughs> He could also turn it into a spouting whale, which is pretty funny too. Also, we learn in Lupin's class that the way to truly destroy a Bogart is with laughter. Harry doesn't laugh here, but because of the way the Bogart disappears in whiffs of smoke, it appears that it was destroyed. Do you think this is an inconsistency, or is Harry just a really powerful wizard? I think this really is an inconsistency, because the Bogart just disappears and Harry's not laughing at all. I think you have to laugh. I agree, but it's interesting how here we see it disappear in whiffs of smoke. So to wrap up Harry's section, I just want to say that Lupin is so incredible and kind and skilled to use a Bogart as a teaching method for defensive magic. By helping Harry combat a Dementor by using a Bogart, this really helps him in the future when Harry has to use the Patronus charm very often. So shout out to Lupin. He really is the best defense against the Dark Arts teacher. And honestly, the best marauder. He really is. Next, let's talk about Mrs. Weasley's Bogart. There's a Bogart in the writing desk in the drawing room at number 12, Grimmauld Place. Mad-Eye Moody confirms this, and Molly says she'll get rid of it after the party for the new prefects, Ron and Hermione, is over. We know Moody's magical blue eye was able to see through the kitchen ceiling and into the desk in the drawing room, but what does he see? Does he see the Bogart in its natural form, or does he see the Bogart transform into his fear? I don't think he saw it transform into his fear because the Bogart has to be face-to-face with you, and because the Bogart was up there, there's no way for the Bogart to know that Moody was seeing into it, or at least I don't think. But I do think that he saw it in its natural form, and I don't know what that could be. I feel like it'd just be like a... 
deformed kind of wisp of matter like i don't think it'd be solid in any way i don't think it would be solid either because we just talked about how the dementor slash bogart turned into a puff of smoke so that's kind of interesting so moody really i think is the only person who knows what a bogart actually looks like which is really freaking cool you guys oh but what if when it turned into a whip of smoke because nobody else was around because we were just talking about it being an inconsistency that harry didn't laugh but when a bogart is attacked with ridiculous it turns into the next person's fear as we saw in Lupin's class so do you think what harry saw with the whip of smoke was his actual form i agree plus i don't think it sensed moody's magical eye enough to transform if it did sense moody and sense his fears what do you think it would transform into moody is always talking about constant vigilance and i think moody is honestly terrified of like intruders and losing his guard because we know how vigilant and skilled of a wizard he is so i think he's afraid of like not having the ability to fight back i don't know what the form could take though but something to do with his feeling defenseless in some way i agree with what you're saying about his fear and I think it would actually transform into Moody's inert body without his eye and leg. It could be a mirror of what it looked like when they found Moody in the chest in Goblet of Fire. Because in that instance, he was defenseless. Yeah, it's a really good point. I agree. Getting back to Molly, Harry leaves the party after Moody shows him the picture of the original Order of the Phoenix. Finding it disturbing to see the Longbottoms, his parents, and all those who suffered and died at Valdi's hand. Then he hears Molly sobbing in the drawing room. When he goes inside, he sees her cowering against the wall, wand in hand, shaking with sobs, and Harry sees Ron dead on the carpet. Harry is frightened, but soon realizes that this is Mrs. Weasley's bogart. Harry gently says her name, and she says, Ridiculous, to dispatch it. Every time she gets rid of one of her dead family members, another appears, including Bill, Mr. Weasley, the twins, Percy, and then Harry. So, let's talk about this fear. I believe that as a mother, you always worry about the lives of your kids above your own. Molly could feel like it's her mistake allowing her family to join the Order of the Phoenix and put themselves in danger when she should have stopped them, thereby saving their lives. With Harry, too, she may be wondering if it's the best idea to bring him to number 12 this summer and making him privy to order business when knowing too much Top secret information could put him in danger if it was ever tortured out of him. But I think the real root of the fear here is that in the end, whether her family lives or dies is out of her control. Everyone chose to put themselves in the order and put themselves in danger. It's the fear of the unknown too, about what would happen in the future. I agree with everything you said and her fear is valid because in the later books, we see instances where Molly's fear is valid. But I also think it's really important to note here that Harry was one of them that she saw dead too, which really emphasizes the point that she really sees him as part of the family. That's true. So after Harry sees his own body, he shouts for Mrs. Weasley to get out of the room, and then Lupin, Sirius, and Moody come in. Lupin dispatches the Bogart Harry along with the silvery orb, the full moon. Crying on Lupin's shoulder after the fact, 
Molly reveals that she dreams about her family dead all the time and pleads for them not to tell Mr. Weasley and says that she's being silly. Why doesn't Molly want Arthur to know about this occurrence? I think Molly really views herself as the caretaker for the family and she takes it upon herself to make sure everybody's safe and even though there's dark times happening right now, she needs to stay strong for everybody else including Arthur because he's so deep into the order and working at the ministry and everything. So I think Molly would view it as a weakness if he thought that she was as afraid and suffering as much as she is because Arthur clearly loves her a lot. And I think that if he knew, then he would spend more time trying to protect her and the family than doing what he needs to do. Yeah. I, th I think so, too, because Arthur really cares for everybody as well, and he would just spend his time worrying about Molly. Molly also addresses Harry, saying, Harry, I'm so sorry. What must you think of me? She said shakily. Not even able to get rid of a bogart. Don't be stupid, said Harry, trying to smile. We see here that Molly's also embarrassed that Harry saw her fear, and that he, too, might think that she's weak. But really, her fear is born out of the love for her family, as we just saw. Can love be a weakness? Oh yeah. People do crazy stuff for love. So, definitely. I think so too, because we see Xenophilius' fear when Valdi captures Luna to get to him. But I think love can also be a, a really great strength that you can have. Because like we see here, Harry's strength is love and Voldemort doesn't have that. Right, and we know how deep love runs in the wizarding world, just look at Lily's protection and that whole thing. So I think, like, love can be a fear, but it makes you a really great person, so it's also a strength. So it's interesting to look at that both ways. Molly continues by explaining that she's worried with half of the family in the order and Percy not speaking to them. She's worried something will happen and they won't make up with Percy, and if Arthur and her die, she's concerned who will take care of Ron and Jenny. The conversation ends with Lupin reassuring Molly that the Order is better off and better prepared than last time. They also know what Valdi's doing. Sirius assures her that Percy will come around once Valdi's in the open, and the Ministry realizes he's at large. Lupin also says they wouldn't let the kids starve, implying that they'd take care of them. Molly calls herself silly again and mops her eyes. Why does she say she's silly? I think that's a way of her kind of trying to justify for herself like oh i'm just being silly you know like a brush off thing when it's not and i think that's because she's still embarrassed and she's trying to kind of tone it down for the rest of them yeah and honestly i don't think that fear is silly she just thinks she's silly because she's overreacting she has every right to overreact Exactly, and I think it's warranted here because, like she talked about before, she's in a dangerous situation being part of the Order, and the reality is that they're all in harm's way. Anything could happen, like we were talking about earlier. Finally, we learn that Harry doesn't think Molly's silly. On the contrary, he understands the fear of your loved ones dying, especially when he thinks about the picture of the Order of the Phoenix Moody showed him earlier, with his parents smiling and unaware their lives would soon be cut short. The image of the Bogart, posing as the corpse of each member of Mrs. Weasley's family in turn, kept flashing before his eyes. Would you have the same fear if you were in Mrs. Weasley's shoes? 
Definitely, because family means a lot to me, and if every single one of my family members pretty much was actively fighting against a powerful dark wizard and his Death Eaters, I'd be afraid too. Same here. Next, let's talk about the brightest witch of her age, Hermione Granger. After Lupin's class, Hermione wishes she could have faced the Bogart, and Ron jokes that Hermione's would be a piece of homework that only got 9 out of 10. Really, his assumptions aren't too far off. During the final exam of Lupin's class, the students must face a Bogart in a trunk. Hermione goes in there and comes out screaming. Her Bogart is Professor McGonagall telling her that she failed everything. Since Hermione runs out of the trunk screaming, it's assumed that she didn't change the Bogart into something silly, so we don't actually know what the Bogart would change into. If she was able to get rid of the Bogart, what do you think she would turn it into? I think she could turn it into McGonagall doing something funny like tap dancing or singing the national anthem or something like that. I think this is a common theme in this episode because when I was thinking about it, I was thinking that McGonagall would turn into a clown and honk her nose. So when it said she'd failed, we would know that it was joking. Or she could be riding a unicycle because unicycles are hilarious. Like if you're afraid of clowns, just picture McGonagall riding a unicycle or with like that stuffed vulture hat that Neville's grandmother has. So next, I want to talk about how I don't think it's fair that the first time Hermione faces the Bogart is in her final exam. If she's so worried about failure, why didn't she go see Lupin and ask if she could at least practice the charm? I think it's kind of out of character because we see in other parts of the books where she actually goes to a teacher, like when she wasn't able to practice cheering charms, she went to Flitwick to learn how to do it. And so I think it's, like, weird that she didn't go to Lupin and be like, hey, let me practice. It is super out of character because Hermione may be a little bit cocky in the fact that she knows everything, but she's not dumb enough to not practice her spell work, especially because Defense Against the Dark Arts isn't her best subject. So I think that this is a total plot hole here. I also think it's important to talk about why Lupin didn't let her face it, and I think it's because of what he said. Both of them answered his questions at the start of the class, but he didn't want Harry to be alone and not facing it, which is why I think Hermione didn't too, just so he can give a valid reason of why neither of them faced it. Exactly, and maybe Lupin also thought that Hermione's really smart and she wouldn't need that practice in front of the kids. And it's also possible that that class is so big that not everybody could participate. Like, he had to pick the kids that he looked at and was like, I think you need the most practice. Next, let's talk about her fear. So, during the first three books, Hermione's top priority is doing well in school. She's a perfectionist and loves to be right all the time, so it makes sense that she fears academic failure. But, like Patronuses, I'm sure Bogarts can change as you grow older, and your fears change. I think this happened to Hermione. I think her fears changed. What do you think it changed into? I think it's similar to Molly, to be honest, because being best friends with Harry, she faces horrors that not a normal person would face. And so I think she would see both Harry and Ron dead, possibly. And maybe her parents, too, because she really cares about her parents. And we see that in Deathly Hallows, how she did the whole memory modification thing. So I think it would be her seeing her parents and Ron and Harry did. 
that's a valid fear. I thought of a third option, which would actually be her seeing Voldemort as Minister of Magic, because if Voldemort won the war, Hermione's fear of failing her friends and stopping him and of the Muggleborns being killed would come true. Yeah, that's a good point too, because we see many instances in the books where she fears her life because of being a Muggleborn. Exactly, and as you grow older, school will never be your top priority, right? You go into a career that is your top priority, or, um, you know, Hermione left school because she hunted for Horcruxes. So it makes sense that she is one of those dynamic characters where the fear changes. In Lupin's Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson, where he teaches the third years about Boggars, we see a few of the characters' Boggars. Let's take a look at them, starting with Neville. Neville's Boggart is Snape, and when he says ridiculous, everybody in the class sees Snape wearing Neville's grandmother's clothes. A long lace-trimmed dress, a towering hat topped with a vulture, and a crimson handbag. This is hilarious, and no wonder Snape is super salty after this. This is really funny, and his grandma's kind of mean to him, so I'm surprised that it wasn't his grandmother. The next character is Ron, and his bogger is a spider. Surprise, surprise. The spider's legs vanish when he says ridiculous. I think the movie version is funnier when the spider has, has roller skates on. Yeah, I mean, because in the book, when the legs disappear, everybody starts freaking out because the body of the spider starts rolling around. So I don't know if Ron's method of making the spider less terrifying was a good choice, but... His fear in general, yeah, spiders terrify me. Spiders are gross. Their webs are all sticky and they're gross looking. Next, we're going to talk about Lupin, and his bogart is a silvery orb hanging in the air, which we know to be the full moon, and he gets rid of it by turning it into a cockroach. How the heck is that making it funny? Because cockroaches are gross and some people also fear them. Like, what the heck, man? Like, he could have done something else with it. He could have made it green and, like, made of cheese. Like, that's what I would have done. (laughs) What I would have done is since it was already, like, an orb, I would have turned it into a disco ball. (laughs) Staying alive, staying alive. Ah, 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 Staying alive. Staying alive. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to Seamus. His bogart is a banshee, and when he says ridiculous, the banshee clutches her throat, her voice is gone. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty valid. I mean, it worked. But what's not cool is we don't see banshees in any of these books, so... Except in Lockhart's book. Yeah. So, Pavati has a bogart of a mummy, and when she says ridiculous, a bandage untangles at the bottom of his feet, it falls over face forward, and his head rolls off. Points to her. This one is actually pretty funny. And mummies terrified me. Like, I was always afraid of the mummy movies. And so, yeah, I'd be afraid of a mummy. This whole thing also reminds me of that game that you play at picnics where people have to mummify you and, like, roll toilet paper up your legs and around yourself. And, like, when? That scares the crap out of me. I was never, I never volunteered to be the mummy. I always just did the toilet paper part. I thought it was fun to be the mummy, but... It wasn't that scary because toilet paper, you can just rip out of it. Like, if they use something, like, more sturdy that I actually felt like I was stuck inside of this, like, cloth or something, then I would have been freaked out. No, it scares the crap out of me because if they roll the toilet paper really tight, then you can't walk. So you kind of have to hop around. That freaks me out. 
Anyway, the next person we have is Dean, and his bogart is a severed hand that flips over and begins to creep along the floor like a crab. When he says ridiculous, the hand gets trapped in a mousetrap. Go, Dean. That's pretty funny, but I'm wondering what the severed hand fear stems from. Like, did one of his family members die or something? Like, did someone's hand just get chopped off and he watched someone, like, bleed out? In this class, we learn three bogarts but don't know who they belong to, and the first one is a rat that's chasing its tail in a circle. I freaking hate rats. Rats are gross, and some people keep them as pets, which I do not understand at all. The next bogart is a rattlesnake, which makes complete sense. Snakes terrify me. I hate snakes. I literally hate snakes. When I was a kid, I thought snakes were pretty because some of them had different colors, but then I realized that they were poisonous. Poisonous or not, like some snakes aren't poisonous, but they're just gross. Like, do not put me in the same room as a snake. There was this guy who lived next door to me in Illinois, and he had a snake as a pet, and when he answered the door, it was like wrapped around his neck. Like, he used to walk around like, it's so gross. We never trick-or-treated at his house. He's probably a Slytherin. The last bogart we have to talk about from the class is a single bloody eyeball, which is super valid because during Halloween time at all those Halloween stores, they have those like baskets full of bloody bloodshot eyes and those always just scare the crap out of me. So I don't like this one. Yeah, plus eyes are like, real eyes are squishy. And so if you like had a severed eye on the ground and you stepped on it, it would make a squelching sound, which is Ew, so gross. Stop. Ew. So gross. <laughs> now we're going to talk about two characters that J.K. Rowling confirmed the Bogarts for, starting off with Dumbledore. His Bogart is Ariana's corpse. This totally makes sense because the fear connected to this is not knowing who killed her during that duel between Dumbledore, Aberforth, and Grindelwald. And obviously he blames himself. Right. But if he used Ridiculous, what do you think he'd change Ariana into? This isn't really comical, but maybe he turned her into being alive, and it's like he can try to relive being with her when she was alive. I think he turned her into a balloon that floats away peacefully. That's not really funny, but at least it would make him smile enough for the bogart to go away. Yeah, or like one of those floating lanterns or something. Actually, he has to laugh for the bogart to go away, so it could probably be a balloon that's popping and it makes that funny sound. The second character we have that J.K. Rowling confirmed his bogart for is Voldemort, and his bogart is his own dead body. Surprise, surprise. Why do you think he made seven horcruxes? He does not want to die. He wants to be immortal. Since Voldemort can't laugh, I don't know what he would transform it into. Like, I think he'd just walk away from it and wait for it to transform back into its natural form. As a wrap-up, Jess and I are going to talk about some of our favorite characters that we don't learn the bogarts for. I'm going to start off with Draco. I think that Draco's bogart would definitely be Lucius. In our third episode on the Mirror of Erised, I talked about how I think Draco would see his father looking down at him all proudly. In this case, Draco's bogart and what he fears the most and his deepest desire that he sees in the Mirror of Erised are one and the same. I think a lot of people can relate to this because a lot of times what we fear the most is what we desire i agree and definitely if it's a parent right because you always want to please your parent when you're a kid and i think later on 
after Deathly Hallows, I bet his bog art changed into something else. Honestly, I still think it would have been Lucius, but with a different meaning behind it. Here we see that like he's afraid of his dad, but later by seeing Lucius, it'd be like a reminder of being afraid of who he was in that darkness that he doesn't want to go back to because moving forward, Draco is a better person. So I think he's afraid of who he was and the family that he was a part of. That's true. Well, I never thought about it that way. Next, we have my favorite character, Luna Lovegood. Are you surprised? I don't think you are. So I think her bog art would be her father's dead body. Luna is so attached to her family and her mother dying devastated her. She would be very lost indeed if her father also died. I totally agree. And like you said, after losing her mom, her dad is so important to her. And we see in the books how supportive she is of his magazine and all the crazy things that he believes. So she clearly loves him very much. What's interesting here is that we talked a lot about people on the good side fearing that their loved ones would die and that just shows how empathetic people on the good side are and empathy and love are two of the best traits right and connecting that back to what we were talking about with Voldemort Luna's seen her father dead and your assumptions of what her bodyguard is we know for sure that Molly sees her family dead Voldemort sees himself dead so it's interesting like that these characters fear seeing people dead, but it just shows that the good people are selfless and fear for the others' lives versus Voldemort who fears his own death. Next, we're going to talk about Severus Snape. I think Snape's bog art would be a mirror. We know that Snape has many issues. Among these are challenges with trust, self-acceptance, and the ways others perceive him. I think a mirror bogart fits really well because when you look into the mirror, you don't only see your face reflected back at you, but all of your insecurities. When Snape looks at his reflection, he probably sees all the things that he's not proud of or won't accept about himself. I think that's interesting, but I think the most prevalent of Snape's challenges is his inability to let others perceive him as anything but evil. Because when he was younger, he wanted people to perceive him as good because that's how he got Lily's friendship. But then when that didn't work out as a Death Eater, he wanted people to fear him and he didn't want to let people in because he doesn't know how to care about people because obviously he failed Lily. So by others perceiving him as evil, then he'd be left alone. But I think that he'd see Harry shaking his hand in the mirror because while Snape, quote-unquote, wants people to think that he's evil, he also wants to be loved. And he laid himself bare to Harry before he died, right? He gave him the memories that he had in his brain about his life, and he put it in the pensive, and he saw Harry's eyes like his mother's eyes. And so I feel like his desire is to be loved, but he doesn't know how to love himself. And so he was never able to achieve that desire because he gave his memories to Harry before he died. And I think this is another instance of how his fear is the same as his desire, like you were saying. And talking about love too, like we were talking about a little earlier, how love is a strength. Here we see love is a weakness because failing Lily or not earning her love led him down this path of feeling unworthy 
and not being able to trust others. So it's a really interesting circle. I agree. And it also makes him a little bit of a coward because he never would have given Harry those memories until he died anyway. I mean, I feel like he would have because Dumbledore had him promise to give Harry the information when it was time. Snape never expected to die, but it was just a lucky chance Harry was there to get the memories. The last person we have is Ginny, and I think Ginny's Bogart would be her old and alone. Ginny is so used to being surrounded by her family and friends and cares deeply for everyone she loves. Once she comes out of her shell, readers see her as an extrovert, fiercely protecting Luna and Neville from bullies, and joking around with others. I don't think Ginny could ever thrive if she was alone. As an extrovert, you need people around you, and without that, you crumble. And I feel like that suits Ginny's character completely. I think Ginny's fear of loneliness is what makes her such a strong and realistic character, because in the real world, loneliness is a fear that so many people have. And that's what makes her stand out in this series, because we see other characters, for example, Harry, who has a fear of a Dementor. That's specific to the Wizarding world, but seeing that Ginny's is loneliness makes her really a relatable character. We hope you guys enjoyed our interesting and enlightening conversation about all of these Bogarts. If you have a favorite character that we don't learn the Bogart of in the books, please let us know your thoughts of what their Bogart would be, and also any other thoughts about an episode that you'd like to share with us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Our next episode comes out on February 5th, 2021. So stay tuned for that. Duh! Wait, did I say 2021? You said 2021. No, it actually comes out on 2022, guys. Stay like a whole year. Yeah, it comes out next year. We're taking a hiatus. Yeah, we're taking a hiatus. It comes out on 2022. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. Hedwig's theme and leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by me. Until next time, mark this page with a magical bookmark.